Philips is focused on innovation to improve the health and well-being of people. Our devices and device-agnostic informatics solutions can scale across your enterprise to help care teams diagnose, treat, and manage patients with accuracy, speed, and confidence. By connecting the digital patient story, physicians and clinicians have intelligence for decision-making in the moment and insight to see beyond. It's our privilege to partner with you to care for the carers and to improve the lives of the people and patients they serve. Philips, innovation and you. This is Kate Cruz recording live at the 8th Annual Becker's HIT Digital Health and RCM Conference in Chicago. I'm here with Evie Cunningham. Evie, to get us started, can you share a bit about yourself and your role and organization? Yeah, so um, I'm an OBGYN physician by training, and I currently lead the virtual care and digital health team at Providence. Providence is a 51-hospital, seven-state, uh, large nonprofit Catholic health system that's uh, situated mostly on the West Coast. Um, and my virtual care and digital health team uh, comprises over 100 caregivers uh, we, and providers, uh, over 250 providers that are delivering care. We have eight enterprise telemedicine services. We have uh, remote patient monitoring, hospital at home. We incubate uh, and scale digital health products. Uh, one in particular that we just scaled up is called MedPearl that is a uh, digital assistant and medical knowledge uh, management system for clinicians. And, um, you know, we spin up other types of innovations. We also have a virtual behavioral health concierge platform um, and service delivery model that's uh, enterprise-wide as well. Well, thanks for that introduction. Evie, when you think of digital innovation in healthcare right now, what is exciting you the most? Well, I guess there's a couple of things. The first is that I really feel like the clinician voice is starting to be heard. I think there was a lot of talk um, and investment in technology and innovation that fell flat over the last five years. And part of that is because the clinicians weren't really as involved in the design and the development of um, these solutions. And so they just didn't get adopted. Uh, Changing care delivery is really, really hard. Um, and you have to have the people who are actually doing the work and understand the workflows involved in the design and delivery of those solutions. And so I think more and more the importance of this is being heard and understood. And there's so many doc, physician, entrepreneurs, innovators getting involved in this space. So it's really fun to see other people like me out there um, trying to, you know, get get involved and be part of care transformation. So that's really exciting. I think the other thing that's really exciting is when you look at what we have in the portfolio that I lead at Providence, we've scaled. I mean, we've caught into a scale that we're probably one of the largest um, virtual care and digital health programs in the country. And so we've learned a lot from that experience, and I think there's a lot we can give back to the industry just in the learnings of going through the process and also um, advice on, you know, a path forward. Not every health system has the same resources or structure that we have, but I think there's a lot of things that we can do to help each other. So that's really exciting. And I think the other thing that's starting to kind of parse out is we're really starting to get a better understanding of the value proposition um, and understand the ROI 
uh, much, much more cleanly. Um, I think historically it's been like, yes, this is the direction that we need to go in, but like, how do we measure the value? How do we calculate that? How do we, how do we speak the love language of the CFOs so that we get more investment? Uh So, um, yeah, so I think, I think those are things that are really exciting for me as I look at my team and all the really cool stuff that we're doing and the fact that there's support for us to continue to grow and scale these programs. Thank you for sharing. So I'm curious at your organization. So you have a very established digital program, it sounds like. So what have been top priorities that you've accomplished and what are new top priorities that you're trying to solve now? Yeah. So I talked about some of the the new programs that we've already, you know, the programs that we have already set up and I'm extremely proud of the work that this team has done up to this point. Um, They're extremely passionate about this care transformation that we're going through. But uh, when I when I took over the leadership of the uh, virtual care um, or the virtual care services, the telemedicine services last year, we had to sort of start to recalibrate our um, our strategy because we were doing a lot of small little test of change innovations and things like that. And there was some innovation fatigue that was happening and there wasn't a lot of prioritization work going on. So we've really uh, recalibrated that. And so our area of focus is um, to build and develop uh, programs that address three macro trends in the industry. And the three macro trends that we're most focused on are, number one, workforce shortage and burnout. So if we're going to build a a telemedicine program, for example, tele-ICU is our next program that we're going to be launching how does that address workforce shortage? Well, we have a shortage of infectious disease docs. I mean, I get calls from chief medical officers and some of our community hospitals on a regular basis saying, hey, like, when are you launching tele-ID? Because my last ID doc just retired and I can't, you know, I can't recruit, you know? And so, so we're really looking at workforce shortage and burnout. That's number one. Number two, the second macro trend that we're really focused on is hospital capacity and throughput. There are not enough hospital beds, especially where we are in the Pacific Northwest. We are constantly boarding large numbers of patients in our EDs and nobody's building brick and mortar hospitals. So how do we build hospital capacity or improve throughput with virtual and digital health solutions? And so as we're looking at a program that we're going to build out, we're looking through that lens and evaluating the value proposition from that. And then the third thing that we focus on is around this concept of the care fragmentation that's occurring. There's so much fragmentation of care where patients are cheating on us and they're going to find the path of least resistance, but there's no connection back into the health system for some of these retail-focused for-profit entities that are out kind of siphoning off little pieces of care. And we really believe that in order to have a holistic view of the patient, we need to be able to create an access point for patients so that they can engage across that continuum and that we, or that we can bring the data from those care experiences outside of our health system back in so that clinicians have a more comprehensive view of what's happening with their patients. So we, we're looking at um, care delivery in those three lenses um, and trying to address those three challenges that I explained. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, For my next question, um, 
What is a piece of advice you'd give to healthcare leaders today regarding digital innovation? I know you said that at Providence, since you have one of the largest pro- digital programs in the country, that you have a lot that you, you know, kind of want to share with the industry. Yes. So what are some of those? I mean, you don't need to give us the book, but just yeah, no, I, I could talk for <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, about I'm sure there's a lot. So. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, you need to really partner with, um, well, the first thing is, is you need to understand the workflow. Like, I can't tell you how many times we've had vendors or presentations where people come in and they're like, oh, we have this solution and it's going to solve all your problems. And it's like, they don't even understand how the care delivery is occurring. They don't understand what's happening in our organization. So understand the workflow. You need to partner very closely, whether it's an internal innovation that you're bringing in or internal technology, you are internal to a health system or you're a vendor. You need to understand the value proposition and the ROI and how it's calculated. And you need to align those methodologies with the finance team at the institution because you're not going to, you might get past the, clinicians on the front line or even uh, a senior leader, but you also have to get finance to buy in. So um, those things are really important. And then I guess the other thing is, is like understanding the problem that you're solving, like what problem are you really solving and how do you articulate that in a way that, you know, people will understand it and and can get it. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, challenges sometimes with people bringing forward solutions and that nobody really understands what problem that's solving. Yeah, definitely. What is a, could you give an example of, you know, something that has worked that has improved care or increased patient or patient provider communication? Yeah. So I'm going to get a, give a plug for MedPearl. Okay. So MedPearl is, um, a digital assistant or clinical co-pilot product that also serves as a knowledge management resource um, for clinicians. And um, we started incubating MedPearl about two and a half years ago at Providence. And now, uh, as of January, we started scaling across Providence and should be bringing it external to the market soon. And basically, the problem we're trying to solve is um, 50% of referrals that go from primary care to specialty care have opportunities for improvement, meaning the patient didn't get the most appropriate workup before they went to the specialist or the patient went to the wrong specialist or the patient didn't need to see a specialist at all. And we think that happens about 20% of the time. And part of the reason this happens is because clinicians are completely overwhelmed with information. When I went to medical school, medical knowledge doubled every 30 years. It doubles every three months today. So as a clinician, you cannot be expected to have all of this in your head. And medical knowledge does not live in the electronic health record. So you have to go outside of the electronic health record to look something up. So what we did was we said, well, if we arm the frontline clinicians with the right information at the right time to help with these care transitions into specialty care, um, not only can we support them, you know, and, and, and improve their burnout and, you know, make them feel like they have supportive technology, but we can also improve access. And there's a shortage of physicians in this country and it's getting worse, especially with all the Medicare patients aging in. And so we need to address that access issue. So MedPearl um, has a library of over 600 guides and algorithms that guide the clinicians in these care transition pathways. It's integrated into the electronic health record. 
And when the clinicians query it, they also can contextualize the patient's data in the context of the knowledge document that they're surfacing. So this has been a huge success. We uh, launched the program in January of, uh, we launched a pilot last year, and then we launched uh, the program across Providence in January of this year, making it generally available. We have over 6,000 users today, over 120,000 searches. Um, We have 20% of the time, the clinicians say they don't need to refer the patient because they got the information they needed to manage the patient. 72% of the time, they said it improved their workup. And 20% of the time, they said they changed the specialty or level of urgency for the referral. So we're actually impacting clinical decision-making at the point of care. And the application has a feedback loop in it that we are constantly collecting feedback from the end users to tell us how to make it better. And that's, I think, one of the secrets of our sauce because we are really exercising human-centered design in an iterative way continuously as we improve the product, design, user interface, and experience. I feel like the feedback loop kind of adds a bit of a human sense to it, which, you know, as a user of healthcare myself, you know, as the patient, you know, that's incredible. Um, So thanks for sharing that example. That's fantastic. Five years from now, what do you think will be the most significant change in healthcare delivery and operations? How should leaders prepare? Well, have you heard about the, um, the gross initiative? I have not. Get rid of stupid stuff. Okay. I truly believe that in the next five years, we will no longer be doing the stupid stuff. I, I have hope. And I think there's so much promise, especially with, we talked about the, the, um, the providers and the clinicians being more engaged in um, the technology transformation and the development of technology. But I didn't talk about this in the beginning, but I'm very excited about AI. I'm very excited about the promise of gen- generative AI. I know it's going to be messy over the next couple of years as we figure out how we integrate this, this game-changing technology into our daily work, but I think it's going to unburden so many of the manual stupid stuff tasks that we do as clinicians and help us, um, help us get back to doing what's really important, which is looking in the eyes of our patients and having really meaningful conversations with them. So, um, so I really truly believe that, uh, we will be restoring joy in our practice. Um, and we will be able to focus on the more important things that we need to do, uh, which is our human connection or technical um, skills as surgeons and things like that. And then um, I actually really believe that virtual and digital first experiences are going to be woven into the fabric of what we do as well. There's a lot of things that we do in person that don't need to be done in person or requires a human to do a phone call. So more we can empower patients to be able to self-serve, to be able to navigate to things on their own. That's what people want. I mean, that's what, what they do in every other industry, right? When, when I do banking now, 97% of it is on my app on my phone, you know? And so why can't we empower patients to be able to do the same? And so I think that's, that's, that's where we'll be. Um, I don't know if we'll be completely there in five years, but that's where we're going. It's exciting to see as it's starting to evolve over time. Absolutely. That's some great insight. Is there anything else that our listeners should know as we wrap up our conversation today? 
No, I don't think so. I feel like uh, we covered it all. But um, yeah, have hope for the future. Uh, The one thing I would tell to clinicians is um, get involved, learn about AI, play with technology, experiment. Don't be afraid of it. Um, The world is our oyster. We've got lots of opportunity ahead. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Abby. Thank you. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way. Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm.